Hi, and welcome to the Hollywood Dream Maker Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Gallo. I'm a 35-year veteran actor. I'm the kid who came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket and a one-way ticket when I was 18. Didn't know a soul out here, and I've been living my dream ever since. I've had an amazing career. I've been an Academy Award-winning film, blockbuster film, hit TV series. You name it, I've done it, and I got the IMDb credits to prove it. Six years ago, I opened up my own school, the Manhattan Actor Studio, where I found my true passion. That's teaching the craft of acting, but not only teaching the craft of being the guy. Success leaves clues. I know how to make dreams a reality. I did it for myself, and I do it on a daily basis for my students. And I can help you achieve yours. Welcome to my podcast. Let's get started. I am super excited to introduce my guests. I recently watched a short film called In the Valley of the Moon, and I was so impressed by these talented young filmmakers, I invited them to the podcast. I want to welcome the writer, director, producer, Luca Pizzolillo, and I want to welcome actor Roz Fritz and actor Ryan Emilio Molina to the show. Welcome to the show, boys. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're honored to be here. So first off, I, I got to say, man, I was blown away by your film. I mean, I don't know how I stumbled on it, whether it was like uh, Instagram or something. And then, and then I watched the trailer and I was like, this looks awesome. And I clicked around and I found it. And I was blown. Like, I, I, I was like speechless. I was like, who, who made this film? You know, and I started digging around a little bit. And then I, I found that you guys have collaborated and I watched some of your other films, you know, your Western you did and a couple of your other short films. And I was like, you know, these are some talented filmmakers. So, you know, I created this podcast to inspire young artists to follow their dreams, right? You know, if a guy like me can come out to Hollywood at 18 with 200 bucks in my pocket, a one-way ticket, not knowing a soul out here and make the dream a reality, then why can't the listener out there, Right. If there's a young filmmaker out there or young actors out there that want to do this, you know, and, and like, like you guys, you're doing it, man. You're you're making, creating your own projects. You're you're doing what I, I'm preaching to my actors all the time. I'm like, well, don't wait for the phone to ring. Write, produce, create your own projects, you know, raise your own flag so people can march behind you. You know, turn the desk where you're not, you're not the actor with the hand out going, please, can I get a job? You know, you're the, you know, you're actually, you're in a power position. Hey, you want to work on my project? So, you know, I just, I'm, I love, love, love what you guys are doing. So Luca, I just wanted to ask you, how did you get started in the business? You know, I like to, I like to go back. Like, when did you know you wanted to be a filmmaker? How did it all get started for you? Well, I, I've really known ever since I was a kid. And I remember the very first memory I've had with film was my dad, he used to watch TCM. And so when I was a kid, I would always stumble in the room and try to, you know, peek in on the films he was watching. And one day he was watching Birds by Alfred Hitchcock. And I think I was a little too young to be watching it, but it really inspired me to get into film. It, it sort of, I became enamored with how filmmaking work, the behind the scenes. And so it was kind of ever since that moment, I knew that I wanted to work on films. And so I started making my own little Lego stop motion movies. When I was a kid, I used my mom's webcam to shoot all the pictures and I would edit it on her computer. And, and that's really where I started. And, and then I ended up meeting Roz and then 
Ryan and we've just been making movies ever since. And, and kind of like what you said, we've just been making our own thing without waiting for anyone else to come to us and ask us first, you know? Love that. I want to see some of these stop motion Lego movies. <laughs> where, They're, where good. They're good. I, I would love, I would love to see that. Yeah, are, are they on YouTube or somewhere? I guess no, link. They're on my mom's old hard drive. And I was making them when I was like nine. So, uh, no, you know, but, 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 but I love it. Love it that you got started like that, you know, I mean, with Legos and making stop motion. That, it's, that's amazing. So have you studied the, you know, went to film school, any of that stuff? So I didn't actually have any formal training in sort of film school. I did take a film production class in middle school and I didn't enjoy it too much, but I definitely took away some things. I feel like I, I never really worked that well in a classroom environment personally, but I know it's it's different for everyone else. And so I kind of took the route of just learning by doing it. And so picking up a camera and figuring it out to me was the best film school. You know, you make a couple bad films, you figure out eventually what works, what doesn't, and then you apply those things to future projects. So no, no formal training, but but definitely a lot of just on the ground working, figuring it out sort of thing, trial and error. Awesome. Hey, Roz, how'd you know? When did you know you wanted to be an actor? Where'd that get started? Um, it started when I was about, I would say, 13 or 14. I remember, like, watching, like, high school plays and, like, middle school plays and always kind of think, thinking, like, that's ah, not me and that's not my thing. But then I was really enamored by, like, just filmmaking in general and, like, acting on screen. And so just watching movies as a young kid, just really engulfing myself and how this person became, you know, this character that they created and uh, I met Luca early on when we were about 13, 12 or 13 in middle school. We started making short films just like any teenager would. Uh, but they were just very stupid short films. I'm sure you can find them buried somewhere. But after that, just kind of really started taking it serious and finding a love and creating characters that are far away from me or very close to me. And I think just movies have been just a big part of my life. Just it's an escape from my world and um, seeing how certain actors create these roles that are believable and then unbelievable in certain realms it's it's really a unique thing to kind of go on this journey and it's a journey that I've been kind of on for about eight years now but I'm just so excited to see what's coming next yeah yeah it's awesome you know I love that you guys you know I mean talk about a demo reel for you you know you got all this great footage that you know that you guys shot I mean you couldn't ask for a better demo reel very cool yeah no it's been great it's been a lot of fun yeah Wonderful. And Ryan, what about you? How'd you know? When'd you know you wanted to be an actor? I, I've known pretty early on in my life, but my story is a little bit more complicated. I kind of uh, got in the way of myself through middle school, high school, not wanting to get focusing on sports, less on the dramatic stuff. I went to business school because, you know, I, I told myself, you know, it's a long shot and, you know, do the safety net type thing and, and play it safe. All of my electives for business school were the drama stuff. So when I could do it, I I, I was doing it. Um, and then, you know, I, I I during the pandemic, things were put into perspective a little bit. I had a lot more time to myself with work from home. And Luca was kind of itching to make something and, and we wanted to do it in a, a safe manner. So he was like, hey, uh, do you want to audition for this little uh, short that I have? I know you've always wanted to try uh, acting. And, and so I've been doing it ever since. And, and it ended up working out. So I'm early on in the journey. I've only been really focusing on it 100% since 2020. 
Um, but loving every second of it. This is what 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 I, I want to do going forward. This is my my calling. So happy about it. Awesome. So so was that first film that that western that I saw? Yep, that was the first time I was uh, ever acting on, on on screen. So well, well done. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. What, what's the name of that film again? West of Calico. West of Calico. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So and that can be found on where? Luca's YouTube. Yeah. So youtubecom slash LucaPizzaleo, and uh, you'll you'll find it there. Very cool. So let's. See. I just want to talk about in the Valley of the Moon. Listen, I, I've watched your films progress and, and I've seen like, you know, there's a there's a different I mean, you can really tell this one here. You put a lot of time and energy and effort and, you know, I mean, every element of it, be you know, from the wardrobe to the locations, to the production design, to the, you know, to even, you know, for the actors, the characters were so well de- developed, the the the. The gunplay. I mean, everything was at a professional level. I mean, to a where where it was like, wow. So, how did that come about? Well, in general, with everything, especially in the valley, I'm, I'm a very meticulous person. So I go back and I research. And I remember when we were kind of in pre-production of Valley, I was researching the '70s, seeing you know what do real estate agents wear back then? What is how would a sign look? How would a, a business card look? And so every little detail, I, I was very meticulous about making sure that it looked accurate or felt like you were in the '70s because I feel like when you have those sort of world building elements, you can make it a little bit easier for the audience to really get lost in your film. And so I worked for for a couple months. I think I wrote the script and then I sent it off to Ryan and my cousin Nikki and and they gave me some really great feedback on, on things that I could really you know, dive into deeper because before Valley, I I was always holding myself back for budgetary reasons. You know, I thought Mm -hmm. something was too big or too difficult. And I mean, I guess making a 70s crime film isn't the cheapest thing, but we were able to do it for almost no budget at all because really everyone on the set were friends, Roz and Ryan and, and my DP, Jeremy, the only crew we really had on every day was me, Jeremy and our sound guys. So it was only the three of us making this movie. And it's, it's really just about getting a great location. And once you have, I think, a strong story, it's, it's much easier to sell those other aspects. So it was a lot of time. It was a lot of effort, the wardrobe, the costume, the set design, all that I, I, I ended up doing myself because I don't have a wardrobe or, or set designer, but you know, a lot of research going around to the thrift stores and whatnot and putting all these sorts sort of elements into the film to really try and, and sell that effect. But I definitely agree that this is a big jump in quality in terms mm-hmm. of our last short film. And that's because I, I feel like I didn't hold myself back creatively with this one. With, with every other project, I felt like I always held myself back and was like, no, I can't do that. But with this one, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to write it how I want it, and then I'll figure it out. So that, that's kind of the mindset that I went into with this project. Love that. You got to write big. You, you can't hold yourself back. You know, you, if the scene is on an airplane, well, then write it's on an airplane. You know, when you get to, you know, production and you figure out, well, maybe I can't do the airplane. Maybe it might be a bus or a right, train right. or whatever. But, you know, shoot for the airplane. For sure. For yeah. sure. And it and it's true, because if you hold yourself back, I feel like you just hold everything back creatively. And then the film ultimately suffers as a result. 
So let's talk about your writing. I mean, what where did this idea come from? Have you studied writing? I mean, what was it? How how did this script come about? So I I've been writing really ever since I was a kid. I used to write short stories all the time. I've always kind of been a storyteller, even though writing isn't my main passion. My main passion is directing. I I've sort of written because. I have all these ideas and stories in my head and, and kind of like what we were talking about earlier is you can't wait on anybody. So I'm not going to wait for a script to come to me. I'm going to write it. So I'm going to figure it out. And with every other script kind of calling back to what I said earlier about trial and error, it's, you know, you write a couple of bad scripts and then you put it to screen and then you're like, that doesn't work. That's not good. And then you take those aspects and apply them to future projects, but no, no formal training in writing. And, and the idea that came to mind was I, really my ideas come out of nowhere and they mainly stem from music. So I listened to a ton of music and I was listening to Irma Thomas's Breakaway, which is like a 70s, 60s hit. And I just remember, I don't know where the idea came from, but I was just like, wow, like a mobster who's a real estate agent. I feel like that's, that's funny. I think that that could be something that could, could be unique. And then I ended up just writing it out over the course of a couple of days and having a first draft of the script by then. Very cool. And Ryan, you did a great job as that mobster real estate guy. <laughs> Thank you so I, much. I, I love the hair. I love I love the shot yeah, where yeah. you're 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 straightening out your hair in the you know. in, yeah in the TV. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, Mark Green was was a great character uh, when I first wrote or when I first saw the first version of the script that that Luca wrote. I was really excited to play that character. I really wanted to do it because I think what was interesting about it is, you know, there's the real estate agent that you first meet, but then when the mask gets taken off, hmm. there has to, you have to feel some sort of shift. Um, so that was one of the main focuses for me, as far as the prep work goes. Um, Cause I wanted it to feel as if, is this really the guy that, you know, Roz's character, Tom is, is going to figure out if, if he's the sinister mob guy from his past, or is it this, uh, quirky, crazy real estate agent in, in Petaluma. So hopefully it, it came off that way to audiences. That was certainly my intention, but um, a great character uh, that, that I'm really happy I got to play. Yeah. I mean, listen, that insert of that picture that you have, uh, you know, that, that Roz has of you, you know, with the gold chain on, you know, like, yeah. it's like, okay, you know, once the glasses <laughs> got torn off, you know, yeah. we started to see, you know, that character coming out you know I'll, I'll tell you a funny story about that when ryan when we were shooting the film we i needed a, a an old photo of ryan and so that one in particular i i think it was babylon ryan got on as as an extra and they had to shave him for the project and this was about a week before we ended up shooting and so i needed him to have a beard and i was like no 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 we're like we're screwed you know you had to change your hair and then we ended up going in we took the picture then we were like let's use this as an excuse to take that picture so that was actually a couple of weeks before we ended up shooting the film very cool that location, that house, how did you, you know, you said you had a small budget, but that house was amazing. Where did you get that house? Was that like a donation? Is it, how'd you find that place? So I, I, I've told a lot of people this when they've asked for advice on how to find locations. And I was extremely lucky. I found it on a website. I, I believe it was either Peerspace or Gigster, which are two great resources if you're looking for locations. I just typed in 70s home and saw what I could find. And throughout the, you know, five or six homes that I found that I felt like could fit within the film, 
I emailed each individual homeowner. I was just like, hey, listen, I'm this young kid. I'm trying to make this movie. And can you help me out? Can you cut me a break? And the owner, Alex, was very, very kind and gave us a, a you know, sizable discount that I'm very happy with. And we ended up shooting there and having an abundance of time to, to get the project done. That's awesome. How, how long did it take you to shoot that film? So we, I can see Ryan laughing because we, we actually shot. So prior to Valley, I, I had shot every film by myself. So I was the writer, director, I cinematographer and editor. And it was just sort of like, I was wearing way too many hats and it was the same with Valley. I wrote the film and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to shoot it and blah, blah, blah. And so we ended up going and shooting Valley and I ended up shooting the film. And when I got home, I looked at the footage and I kind of realized it was really, really bad because I'm, I'm not a DP. I'm, I'm okay, but I'm not, you know, and also too, when you're trying to focus on too many jobs as a director, you can't focus on the actors. Mm. If, if I have to worry about the focus of the camera, I can't, I can't notice these little subtle things that that Ryan or Roz are doing that I need them to change or or whatnot. And so I feel like we put so much time into the project and obviously I wasn't going to abandon it. And so my friend Jeremy, who's been a longtime friend of mine, we've never collaborated. This was the first project. I just asked him, I said, hey, man, like, can you please help me save the project? And he came in and we ended up shooting two reshoot days and i remember Roz and ryan were confused they were like wait didn't we already shoot this scene and i was like yeah yeah like don't worry about it like we're just we're just shooting it again you know blah 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 and uh and so some of the footage in there is my footage at the end in the shootout i shot that sequence but everything prior to that was all all jeremy and, and all reshoots but i actually feel like it helped the project in the end because it was almost like this really it was like kind of an expensive rehearsal, you know, like we, we we went in and we all got to be in the space, play with the space, stay in costume and and whatnot. And so by the time we actually did it a second time, I feel like everyone was so prepared for every little thing. And it was just kind of like we flew through it. So it was I, I'm I'm definitely grateful for it. Yeah, it's great. Great find. Great location. Everything about it. I mean, everything about the film. I mean. So, so Roz, you know, you had uh, an awesome character in the film, right? How did you prepare for that character? You know, my prep work ranges between characters, but, um, you know, I got to talk a lot with Luca about the character and who this person was and where he came from and what he's after and where he's at in his life currently. But just a lot of research on the uh, Italian mob and the Irish mob. Uh, yeah, and just kind of diving into that world and kind of finding who this guy was, whether it's from research or personal work. or. But I'd like to just journal a lot. I got like to figure out, you know, what are the most important parts of this person's life that led up to this moment that we're shooting and just kind of staying in that world, you know, whether it's like the beginning, what am I after? Or now that I've already completed what I want to do, what's this character's next step, you know? But yeah, just kind of doing as much research as I can in preparation into knowing who this person was and what he's after and uh yeah it was a lot of a lot of fun it was just i mean shooting this was just awesome because it's just a character so far from me that it's like this cool guy who's like a gunslinger luke actually we were talking about it. he's like kind of like a cowboy gunslinger he wanted me to like have this kind of western feel to me with the boots but uh, yeah it was it was really a lot of fun to just kind of create this character and, and his world and and what he wanted to to accomplish throughout the film yeah, I, I love you know that he's he's an Irish guy. Oh, they, he doesn't they, he doesn't they don't pay attention to the Irish guys or whatever whatever the line was. 
But I love the detail when you're lighting your cigarette and you have a little shamrock on your Zippo lighter. You yeah, know, we, little, we, we had a lot of fun with that. The little details in the film. I mean, it's all in the details. You know, it's it's all those little details that add up. You know, even the car. I mean, the car was great. Where'd you get the car? <laughs> so uh, there's a, I believe it's kind of like an app on your phone. It's called Turo. And what you could do is you can go in there and you can filter what make, model, or year you're looking for. And we threw in anything prior to, I think, 1977. And we found, I believe it was a 66 flashback Mustang GT. But it was absolutely beautiful. And, and the car was, we ended up renting a car previous to this one. And it was a yellow Mustang. We brought it to the house and then we ended up having no time for the shoot. And so we had to come back and then the car wasn't available. So we rented a red car instead. So that was another kind of mess up on our part for getting two cars for the film. But the the website is great. And honestly, I think very affordable for getting a vintage car for what you would think it would be. Very cool. I mean, the car had a big, is a big part of the storyline too. I mean, you know. Right. No, totally. Don't, don't, don't mess with the car. No, no. Yeah. And, and I remember talking to, to Roz and Ryan because kind of, kind of about the, the car in general, I actually swapped the ending of the film, I think four days before we shot our last shoot day. And so the ending of the film was initially Roz's character walks up to the door after killing Mark and then a husband and a wife come in and they're there for the open house and they see Roz and Roz is covered in blood and he's like, hey, you're here for the open house, blah, blah, blah. They scream and run away. Roz gets into the car and drives away. And I remember we actually shot that ending. I had the actors come in. We shot them coming into the open house. And then I sort of had this revelation a couple of days before that this is going, in, in my opinion, not very good ending. And I also think Roz's character didn't deserve the cowboy riding off into the sunset ending. And I wanted to bring Sam's character from the beginning of the film back. And so I ended up writing it back in. And, and personally, I love the ending. I think it's cool. And even too, with, with any, any of the people online, we've had tons of reviews and tons of feedback. And I feel like the ending is a big topic of conversation, but I actually like that people feel some type of way. Even if you don't like it, I like the fact that it made you feel something or that you have an opinion about it. So I think that the ending was was very fun to play with. And then obviously if we had a bigger budget to tackle this as a feature, I would love to expand on Sam's story arc and what the car means to him and how you can obviously tell he's kind of a hothead and he has some anger issues. And I would love to expand on that. So that way in the ending, it does make a little more, you know, it sells it a little bit more. Yeah. So the act, I mean, but there was some detail work, like when, when Roz puts his hands on the car, he looks at, the, you know, don't touch the car. You of know? course, of course. Yeah, <laughs> no, totally. I tried to build that in, you know, I wanted to make sure Sam was protective of the car in the first scene. And so when we came to the end, I did feel like personally for me, it made sense. And I just think it's a cool moment when he comes back, you know, he's like, you know, Hey, buttercup. Yeah. He gets him, he, you know, catches him red, red handed. Yeah. So I think it's great. I even like the brushing of the beard. I grew up, you know, in Brooklyn, you know, and there was guys in my neighborhood who would brush their beard in the 70s. Right. Yeah. Well, Landon, who I believe, you know, he's a phenomenal actor. He actually came up with that. That was something that he came up with. It was little character work. Yeah. And the type of director that I am is, is I love to collaborate with my actors. So if my actors have something to say, if my actors have an idea, I'd love to hear it. Obviously, you know, if, if I don't feel like it works for the film, then I'll tell them. But I, but I like hearing things because I think you, you never know where you can get those little ideas. And Landon did that in his self-tape. 
And I just thought that was such a cool detail that he's he's this very he's this guy who very clearly takes care of himself, takes care of his car, takes pride in in self-care and and whatnot. And even speaking to little details, what Ryan was talking about with the mask of Mark Green, there was this moment where we were shooting the shootout and Ryan told me, he was like, you know, I think I should take my glasses and rip them off and throw them to the side because the sort of facade of Mark Green is now gone. Tom knows who I am. I just shot him. And so now as soon as I take those off, I'm I'm a different character. I'm not Mark Green anymore. I'm throwing that thing away. So I think that was, again, a very great detail from an actor bringing it up to me. And I think that that's a phenomenal thing in working together. Yeah, no, it was great. I love that choice. And your and your voice changed too. All of a sudden we got a little of the uh, Philly accent coming, you know, coming back into it. So it was really cool. So you actually held casting for that, that role, the Sam role? I did. Yeah. I held casting for Sam and for Frank's role, who plays the sort of mob boss. And so we, I think, went through. Where was that breakdown? People. I would have loved to audition for that part. That was we should have got you. <laughs> you, would have, you, would, you would have been a great choice as well. But <laughs> but Marco is a phenomenal actor, yeah. and we loved working with him. And I think it, it was, again, when we saw Marco and we saw Landon, we knew kind of from the jump, I remember sending it to Roz and Ryan. I said, these are our guys. Before they even sent in the self-tapes, I just said, these guys, I can see it in them. And just from their demo reels, I knew, especially Marco. Marco, you could just tell he has that grit to him, you know, from, he's from Boston. He's got that sort of, you could you could feel it, you know? No, he did a great job. Yeah, no, they, they, were, they were both great. I, I kind of knew from the get-go that they were going to be our guys. I mean, all the elements, I mean, everybody, the whole cast, everything, every, there was one thing about, there was one thing that I noticed and it was like, well, you know, it's a convertible and then he's driving away and the, the hard tops on the top of the car. And I go, when did he not want to, Roz's carrying on want to fuck up his hair? <laughs> no, yeah. He, he's, a, he's a pretty boy. He wants to make sure he looks good. He's like, like, I don't want to fuck up my hair. Let me put the top up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. You know, it was, it was awesome. Thank so, you. so Roz, you know, you've been in the game for what? You said eight years now? Yeah, about. Okay. So what's that journey been? You know, uh, obstacles, you know, I mean, a lot's changed since, you know, with self-tapes, you know, yeah. Luca mentioned self-tapes. How do you feel about, you know, auditioning and, and self-tapes? It's very different. Um, if I had to pick one of the two, I definitely prefer in person. I think I'm a big believer, like your energy speaks before you do. So like when you even walk in an audition room and you have the session runner or the casting director there, it's, you know, nice to kind of feel that. And uh, I think there's a certain intensity that comes with in-person auditions, whether it's like nerves or you, you know, something else that like you kind of bring into that in that room in a good way. As far as self-tapes go, there's a lot of pros and cons. I, uh, I'm very meticulous like Luca. So I like to like have my best work out there when I send it off, but there's the pro of you have as many takes as you want. And then the con is you have as many takes as you want. You know what I mean? So it's like, you can keep doing it over and over again until you That'd get so it right. Crazy. But after the fifth one, it's going to be a bunch of gibberish. You know what I mean? It's not going to be as good as the second or third or first. So, um, but yeah, it's changed a lot. I mean, commercially uh, in person audition, I've been doing that. I got my commercial agent uh, when I was about 16, 17 and started auditioning from there and booked a couple of commercials. Um, my first one was for Norwegian Airlines, which is awesome. And then went on to do a couple other ones. Um, did some USC short films as well, which were in person before COVID. 
Um, some were online through uh, COVID. So it's changed a lot. I mean, if I had to choose out of the two, it'd be in person, but I know going forth, it's going to be all self-tapes. I was in class the other day and they were saying, yeah, it's not going to go back in person because it saves the studio's X amount of money for renting out a space and they can see a hundred people in one day instead of 40 with self-tapes, you know, sure. they can get a hundred self-tape auditions in a day then rather than renting the space from 10 to four and seeing 40 people, you know, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been changing and I'm excited to see what's like, you know, in the future as far as auditions, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful to be working with Luca and Ryan on these projects, but I'm just hungry for more and to, to make a feature with them and, and to, uh, work on other projects with other great directors. Well, it's coming. No, I have yeah. no doubt for all of you, you know, it's, it's coming. <laughs> you Thank guys you. are, Thank you. you guys are planting the seeds now, you know, and you're going to see those seeds are going to come to fruition. You know, somebody's going to see that film. You're going to be walking out, you know, red carpet at that film, short film festival. And somebody's going to say, man, Hey man, I saw your film and you know, I want to work with you. You know, let's turn this into a feature or let's, you know, it's, it's going to happen. I'm sure uh, um, if it hasn't happened already, Luca, uh, it's coming. Well, for sure, for sure. And and that's really any advice that people have asked me. I feel like obviously I'm not uh, the, the baron for giving advice onto filmmaking because I'm still at a very young stage in my career and I'm still figuring things out. But if there is any advice I could give, it's just you have to make your own stuff because if you sit there and wait, just nothing's ever going to come. And and I think telling the stories that you want to tell and using your own voice and your own, you know, sort of creative outlet is going to translate really well because people are going to love to see that. And, and we've had, you know, incredible feedback from the festival so far. So we're we're so excited. And, and even on social media, it's been a phenomenal reception for us. So we're, we're very happy with, to see what comes. Yeah, I had class here Monday night and I literally showed your film in, in front of my class because I wanted really? Yeah. I That's said, amazing, I, man. I said, you guys got to see this, you know, because oh, I, awesome. I, you know, and, and, and my, my, young, my actors are making films, you know, they, I could show you some links that they're actually, they, you know, and they're getting better and better and better, you know, I mean, even in class, like, let's say we have a, a small class. Yeah. I say, okay, well, let's, we, today we're going to shoot a film. And we just come up with an idea. We'll, we'll sit around, we'll do a table, a brainstorm. We'll come up with an idea. And we'll figure out a beginning, middle, ending for the thing. And we'll figure out the characters and we'll shoot it in, in three hours. You know, we'll literally figure out what's the shots. Okay, this is what we need. And we run out and we, we shoot it. We build a set or whatever. I mean, if you go on my uh, Manhattan Actor Studio, I have a, a YouTube inside the Manhattan Actor Studio. You know, there's a peak of a couple of the short films that we made. And these are just like, we made them in three hours on, on, on an iPhone. <laughs> So, right. you know, it's just proof that it can be done. You don't have to have the fancy camera. You don't have to have all that stuff, all the gear and stuff like that. If you got some actors and you have some resources and you can reach out to a friend and, oh, you maybe you can use your friend's house or a friend's got a restaurant you can use or whatever, you know, ask favors, call in favors and 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 make it happen. You know, there's no excuses. You no, know? and it's it's exactly what you're saying. I mean, that that's another really, really good point is you don't need the fancy camera. And it's something that I've noticed from a lot of young filmmakers is they say, well, I don't have 
you know, an airy or a red epic or whatnot. So I can't make a Hollywood looking film. And to be honest, it's, that's really just not the case. You even look at the iPhone today, the new iPhone has a phenomenal camera. You could shoot 24 frames per second in 4k. You have the right lighting. It really does look like a, a decent high quality film. And even for Valley and our upcoming film, the tragic death of a Frenchman, we shot those on a Sony a seven S, which is it, it's, a sort of mid-tier DSLR camera, which isn't, you know, it's not this massive camera, but one of the biggest compliments we've gotten is that it does look like it's shot on a really fancy camera and, it, and truly it's just, it's not. Well, it looks great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, and especially you got a great colorist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's something you take for granted because when I, I, I used to color everything myself, obviously. And so I thought, I actually thought I was pretty good. I was like, my stuff looks great. Like it looks really good. And I remember I ended up, we, we shot Valley. I edited Valley. I colored the film. I did the audio for the film. And then I got reached out to by uh, an audio engineer group. Their name is retail space and a colorist who's actually really good friends with one of the actors in the film, Ashley. Ashley is the, the guy who comes into the open house who eats the cookie and gets shot by Roz. Yeah. Um, and so Ben is Ashley's friend. His name is Ben Chakowsky, and he's a phenomenal colorist. And I remember looking at my color versus his color, and I, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just... I'm terrible at this, you know, like it really adds a depth when you have someone who knows what they're doing and they can, you know, pop those skin tones out and fix the lighting in the background. And he he really is an incredible colorist. And and even on the work, I don't know if you saw the trailer for our, our film, The Tragic Death of a Frenchman. I, I even think it looks better. I think he's just insanely, insanely talented. Yeah, I saw the trailer. When's that coming out? I want to see it. <laughs> I, I could send you a link. But send me the right, link. That I looks will, like a fun one. It is. It is. It's a very fun film. We we shot that, I think, May of last year. So what we shot, it actually took us quite a long time. So when we were shooting Valley, I was actually writing Frenchman with Ryan. And so I remember going to Ryan and I told him, I said, I had this idea. And it's kind of just been this long time idea of mine where these two mobsters are disposing of a body. And it's sort of just this funny, quirky comedy. And since we just did Valley, I'm like, we can't we can't do mobsters again, you know, back to back. It's just, we need to, we need to try something else. And I remember our uh, good friend, Olivier, who is our second AC and also BTS photographer on a lot of our sets. He was on two films prior. We just thought he was the most uh, naturally hilarious person. He would just tell the most outrageous stories on lunch breaks. And, and I just thought we had to make a film about him. And so we we shot it. We finished it up about a month ago, and now it's just off to the festival. So hopefully we can get some festival dates very soon. We're praying for some good ones, but uh, you know, hopefully very soon. If you follow our Instagram, it, we'll we'll post any updates on that to come. Right. But I'll definitely send you a link. Yeah, the trailer looks great. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Hey Ryan, what's your approach to the craft? You know, you're fairly new. I mean, have you studied? Yeah. Uh, so that was one of my biggest to dos. As soon as I said, you know what this is my opportunity to kind of uh, follow, follow what I've always wanted to do. It was immediately get into as many classes as I could possibly uh, get into, because I feel like if there was one right way to do acting, um, then everyone would study the same technique. And I think it's really important to kind of figure out which technique works best for you, whether that's, you know, Meisner or Strasberg or Adler, like what, what have you. 
And so I, I did a bunch of acting classes. Uh, the technique that I, I feel works the best for me is Adler. I like to use imagination work, build a background for a character, build specific memories that are going to inform my choices uh, in a scene. Um, and so that's, that's really the technique that I've been studying for the past few years that I've kind of figured is, it works best for me. Um, and so for, for Mark's character, it's building his background uh, through journaling um, as, as his mob, the previous life and then the mob. And then, you know, if I'm going to speak about, if I have a line where I'm talking about my son, I better have a specific memory that I can recall in the scene uh, and that there's techniques that you can use to kind of build those, those memories so that it is something that you're legitimately recalling as a character. Um, and then the nice thing about the technique is when you're out of a scene, you're out of a scene, you know, the, the, for me, you know, there's other techniques that, you know, use emotional recall as an example. And I've, I've tried that out. I just think for me, it, it's, it's harder for me to then get out of, a scene, especially if it's dealing with something very traumatic or if I'm using personal experience, I, it's, I found it not healthy for me personally. So that's why I, I like the imagination because I'm like, okay, it's just an imaginary exercise. It's, it's uh, a son that I don't have, you know, I, I can connect to that um, and, and go, go forth from there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think my, the biggest advice that I would have, if there's anyone that maybe feels that they're late to the game, which I felt um, starting, you know, only three years ago is just get into an acting class, try as much as you possibly can, because the more you do it, the more you're going to feel comfortable. Cause I think that's one of the biggest hurdles to kind of get over initially. And no, for me, it was shooting West of Calico was a, a big mental hurdle. Cause I was like worried about, you know, how, how do I sound or how do I look on camera or, you know, am I going to mess up? And you're, you're so uncomfortable that it, it you're, you're not able to live in the scene as a character. And so the more you do it, the more comfortable you get, you start to build your skills. You learn, okay, I like that from that technique. I don't like that from that technique. And you kind of build your own craft and uh, you know, the more you do it, the, the, the more you get used to it and the more fun you have. And once you, that's the best part, once you can have fun with it, man, that's the dream, you know? So that, yeah, that's kind of been my, my approach so far. Love that. Yeah, I tell that to my own actors all the time. For, study them all. So every, every, everything you can possibly, and then create your own method. You know, yep. to see what works for you. You know, if the imagination works for you, wonderful. You know, exactly. but if not, if you need to, to dig into some kind of sense memory thing, some uh, something that's real, you know, listen, on the day, if I need you to get to the emotional place and your imagination ain't working for you, I'm going to need you to have a backup plan. You know, so you reach into your toolbox and and tap into that real event that happened Correct. where you know, broke your heart and and leave a piece of your soul behind. So, whatever you know, learning the craft and learning truly what works for you and developing your own craft is, is the way to go. Yep, you know, absolutely. and 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 you hit the nail on the head because you know what I noticed in in this film and what I've noticed what you guys are doing is you're having fun and. When you're having fun, guess what? The audience is going to have fun watching you because you guys were having fun, man. You were in play. I mean, that's why it's called players in the theater, right? It's called a play. Exactly. It's play time. You know, it's those actors, when you're in your head, you're dead. You know, when yep. you're in your heart, you're smart. When you're coming from play and you've created and you wrote a backstory and you know your character and you know what the previous circumstances, you know where he's going, you know his secrets and his all his stuff and you maybe doing some animal work or you found a voice, you know. All of those little things, 
you know, is going to make it more fun. It's, it's play because that's how you step out of you. You get out of your shoes. You step into the shoes of the character. You know, you know, look, when you put the leather jacket on, right, you know, or when you put those glasses on and you put the hair, you know, you know, all of a sudden you start feeling a certain way. I mean, Roz, when you put that leather jacket, you strap on that gun, you know, you you got the boots and the wardrobe and that whole thing. It's like once you step into those shoes, you you become the character. Yeah, I think wardrobe's a big, I mean, I think it's so fun getting in a wardrobe. I remember when we were doing West of Calico, we actually um, got the wardrobe from, I think it was Western Costumes, right, Luca? It was Eastern, Eastern Costumes. Eastern, 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 which is a great, great company. Um, if anyone's watching, check them out. But uh, it just when you put on those those big old coats and you're out in the middle of nowhere and it's shivering cold and you got a fire near you, it, it's just really easy to kind of immerse yourself in that world. Same with Valley. I mean, you got those boots and uh, uh, the the white blade, uh, tank top on and the, the the yellow button up and the big brown leather jacket. Yeah, it was fun, man. I think getting a wardrobe is so cool. And Luke had mentioned earlier, we went thrift shopping for this, uh, my character at least, because we wanted something rugged and something true to the character. So we went through so many options and we just kind of narrowed it down to these old... I think there were Levi's that we we picked out for my pants and some old cowboy boots we found. And the t-shirt was like 10 bucks and the leather jacket was just something that we picked off the wall that just fit. And yeah, but it's fun. Costume's awesome. Yeah. There, so I, I, I'm going to ask, Luca, you don't have to answer. What was the budget on, on the, in the Valley? So our budget was, it was under $10,000. I'll say that. And it it really just kind of all came, it, it was all honestly primarily self-funded by me and even Roz pitched in. And it was, the, the thing was for us, especially with like the thrift shopping and, and what Roz said about Eastern costumes is there, honestly, there's, there's a lot of affordable options. And I feel like Eastern really helps out a lot of young filmmakers. And so you can go in and kind of get a price where it, it works for you and for Roz and I, when we found his leather jacket, we found it at Jet Rag, which is a vintage shop in Hollywood. And it's a fantastic resource if you're looking for old costumes. And they're also very easy if, if you know, for Roz's costume, we found this leather jacket was missing a couple buttons. And so I, I was like, hey, it's missing a couple buttons. You know, can you give us a deal on it? And I'm, I'm pretty good at, at like haggling deals. But for us, it, it was I've saved up a lot of money throughout the years. I've done a lot of. Uh, music videos and short um, commercials and those sorts of things, as well as photography. I've sold my photography to Home Goods and Home Sense in Canada, and so that has sort of enabled me to to just put everything into film. And and it, it really it's expensive, but it's also not in the grand scheme when you're really looking at a short film. A lot of times, short films cost more than you can even expect short film festivals we went to there was films we were competing with that had a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget and so we're sitting here with like a measly tiny little budget that we've all kind of pitched in ourselves so yeah yeah it doesn't look like it was a measly ten thousand dollar budget that's the beauty of it (laughs) no no it doesn't and i feel like that's that's and thank you it's a very nice compliment and and even the tragic death of a frenchman which i feel like feels in terms of quality of the camera work and lighting it feels even better than valley it was 
it was only two grand basically to shoot Frenchman. Frenchman was just a very cheap, easy budget because it was really the, a lot of the locations were free. They were people we knew. A lot of the set dressing was just stuff we had. And, you know, Roz and Ryan being best friends of mine, obviously they'll, they'll do it for free. Uh, so it was, it was very, it was an easier experience in Valley for sure. I can't wait to see it. So, I got a question. You know, you you said you had some self tapes. What are you looking for when you're in casting and you're looking to cast a role and you're looking at these self tapes? What are you looking for? I'm looking for actors who give it their all. I can tell, for instance, with Landon, when I saw his tape and he was brushing his beard and he was wearing a turtleneck, it, it just shows the extra effort going in that he's done the character work even for an audition. So if he's willing to put in the work for the audition, then I know when I get him on set or when we meet for the first time or we do rehearsals, he's going to be working on his character. He's going to be putting in that sort of, you know, 110%. And I don't think when you do an audition, you need to go above and beyond. I've seen some actors where they'll, they'll like, you know, be eating in the scene, which it's like not even in the script. They're just kind of, and I feel like that sort of stuff is distracting. You don't need to make it distracting, but I feel like the subtle things, you know, dressing for the part and really showing even within subtle lines with Landon. And, and what I've noticed is, is I gave him the first scene, which is where Roz comes up to the car and he, uh, tries to, you know, he puts his hand on it and Landon looks down. That was written into the script. And so when I saw Landon look down at Roz's hands, I could see he was pissed. You know, you can see the fire in his eyes that he's touching his car and whatnot. He looks back up at him. So, you know, the eye line, it's all those little things that just show me that he's really working and he's really putting in that effort. That to me is what I look for in an actor for sure. Have you, have you studied acting at all? I have read some books and I've been to a couple acting classes. I do try and immerse myself into acting in some capacity just so that way it makes it a little bit easier for me to communicate with the actors because I feel like if you can understand the language, then it's a little bit easier to try and get your actor somewhere because you understand how an actor works and and is telling an actor, be more sad isn't going to you know, help them in any way. That's, you know, not a very good piece of direction, but once you sort of learn those little things, then I feel like it's a, it's a lot easier. So I know, no, I know a little bit for sure. I don't think I'm a great actor, but I think I could maybe well, do it. I think it's important for a director to, you know, study the craft of acting because you're going to be dealing with actors and actors are fragile creatures. You know, they're sensitive. They have, you know, you have to know how to get them where you got to go in a gentle way, in a safe way. And if you know, okay, well, this is a method actor. This is a, you know, a Meisner. This is, you know, the, you know, this is my approach. This is how I can talk to this actor to get them where I got to go. Exactly. And, and knowing who your actors are. And that's why I implore any filmmaker, if you're going to make a short film, do rehearsals and do meetings because you need to, my whole kind of approach is getting to know the actor on a personal level, because once you can understand them on a personal level, then going in on set, like you said, if they're a method actor, Meisner, whatever it is, you can better understand how to communicate with that actor specifically. You know, if someone who you know is maybe a more sensitive actor or someone who is more fragile, then you know how you have to act on set to try and get them to where you want to get them. Because I feel like directing is really just guiding your actors to where you need them to be. And so it's definitely a great point to study those things so you can understand them. That way you have the language and the tools to communicate with them. Well done. Ryan, what do you want from a director when you work with a director? For me, I think it's 
like a collaborative effort between the actor and the director. Because I think the movie making process, generally speaking, is a collaborative effort, right? You have your sound guys, your camera guys, your your actors, your directors, producers, uh, the writer is heavily involved. So I think that the fact that, you know, I think, and that's something that we have with Luca for sure. You know, he's talked about it earlier uh, in this conversation is that when you get to set, it's not his way or the highway. He's open to having a, a conversation with an actor because whatever can serve the story or the film uh, in, in, a, in a good way is something that he's going to be open to. So I think that's one thing, you know, I, I think uh, also just the type of emotional environment on a set, I think uh, is, is something that, you know, if it's, if it's a positive environment, that's going to always provide, you know, a, a, just a better kind of, like I said, collaborative effort between the, the crew and, and, and the director. So those are kind of the things that I like uh, in a director. Um, I also like when, when they're very like that, they, they know what they want in a scene as well, because that does help from the acting perspective. And then you kind of get to play with them and, you know, this is what I'm looking for, but, Oh, I like that idea. Let's switch it up. And, you know, I think that does enhance, you know, the emotion or whatever the, 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 the what we're supposed to get out of this scene. So just things like that. How about you, Raz? Yeah, I think just clear and direct communication. I think that's the most important on any set, really. But someone who's just really easy to work with, I think that's a big plus in this industry is just being uh, really, you know, caring about your craft and, and, and you know, your responsibility on that set and that role, but also being a, a nice and easygoing person to work with, you know? So um, growing up with Luca and Ryan, you know, they're like my best friends. So it's, you know, the communication there is direct, it's clear, it's all love, you know? And so being able to work with Luca and him telling me he likes that, but he wants to switch this, I'm open to that, you know? Or he tells me, I like this, but I want to switch that. It's all about making things work for the project and the sake of the project. But um, yeah, a, a, just a director who's very open and clear and and like Ryan said, knows where he wants the project to head in. And that makes it for us 10 times easier, you know, because we get to play and then we also get to listen and put those inputs into our work. And awesome. honestly, just to touch on something Roz said and Ryan too, I, I think what's so important for directors is to build a safe environment for your actors because it is something that is so vulnerable to be acting that if you can build a safe environment, it's easier for them to play and grow within the scene. So I think that's something that's very important to for, for young directors for sure. Absolutely. It's so important, you know, and it's also building a team of, you know, it's a, it's a family. It's a, you know, you go to war, you know, I, I got to know that when I'm in the trenches and we're losing the light and we got to get this shot that I know that I got, you got my back, man. You're not going to be over there smoking a cigarette, eating a donut by your craft services. And when I need <laughs> you here, you know, we're, we're working together and it's, and it's having that reputation. I mean, you look at, you look at the Scorsese's, you know, and you look they got their teams, you know, he's got his, he's got Thelma, he's got, you know, he's got De Niro, you know, they, they have those pieces of the puzzle that they know work so well together that they use them over and over again. Or you see his relationship with Leo, you know, Leo now, you know, that's kind of taken over the De Niro, you know, or, you know, just these directors that they have the same people they work with over and over again, because they know I can count on you and I like you and you're not, some egomaniac that's a pain in the ass that I got to deal with, you know, 
It's, it's really important, especially when you start getting to the next level, when you're playing with millions of dollars and a big budget and times money. And, you know, I got 150 technicians on payroll and I got to get this shot off and I got a producer yelling at me, you know. So it's really important that you have that 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 team, that family. For sure. And I think and that's something that yeah, feels like a family for sure. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think it's something that's so important that when you go into any set or any sort of thing to just be a nice person, because I feel like people don't really want to work with you if you're an ass and people remember that. So if, if you're able to be a genuine and nice person, you know, maybe it worked 20 years ago, but I don't think it works as much today anymore. I feel like people know that unless you're really at the top of your level, if, if you're not a great person, most people don't really want to work with you and, and they're not going to put up and tolerate any BS, you know? Absolutely. It's your reputation is everything in this business. You know, you got to be likable. And even with casting directors, they got to like you. You know, you, they, they know you, they not like you. You come in prepared every time you play the big game. You make some big choices, high stakes. You may not be right for this role, but guess what? You made a fan and I'm going to bring you back again and again and again until that right role comes along and you're going to land it. So, you know, it's truly about building relationships in this business. You know, having those casting directors that love your work because you're just, you know, leaving a piece of your soul behind on every t every opportunity you get you're playing the bigger game you know i truly believe it's it's all about high stakes you know how do you separate yourself from everybody else well it's your choices talent lies within your choices you know the bigger the bolder the stronger your choices the more you've you know you've done the work the more fun you're going to have the more you're going to be free to play you know so you're not worried about lines it's just about you know being in the moment and listening and reacting and having fun. And then you can play because, you know, it's like Halloween, right? You know, who, who doesn't love Halloween? You get to put the costume on, right? You put the friggin' mask on, the makeup, and you get to jump around and it's playtime. Well, that's what acting is for me. It's like, let me, you know, I put on a police officer's uniform. I'm, I feel completely different. You know, if I put on a gangster, a leather jacket and a gold chain, the wife beater, I feel like a different, you know, it's a different guy. So, you know, being able to step into that and be in play is the most important thing. Hey, Luke, if you could go back and give yourself some uh, some advice, the, the the little you, you know, what you've learned now, what would some of that advice be? The advice that I feel like I would give my younger self would just to not be afraid and, and to keep making and to keep creating because I feel like there was this moment when I was younger where I became became a little frustrated because I didn't necessarily know. And, and as we all know, there's no blueprint to this industry. There's no sort of like surefire way to break your way in. It's not like a doctor. You don't go to school and all of a sudden, boom, at the end of it, you know, you're, you got a career ahead of you. So when I was a kid, I think that was something that was a little scary to me. And I had a lot of trepidations before even deciding to kind of jump full force into film. And I think I would just tell myself to relax and to keep creating because right now where I'm at, I'm, I'm in sort of this mindset where it's just, I want to keep making and I want to keep going. And I'm not really worried about anything else. I'm not worried about, you know, an agent or a manager or this or that. I just want to make a good film. And what it all kind of boils down to is I love the craft and I love storytelling. So these films that I'm making are films that I want to see. And I think there was this point where I thought, oh, is, it, is someone going to like this? Is someone going to like that? Is this going to work? Is that not going to work? And I think there's some conversation to be had on, you know, maybe certain things in a script or whatnot. But I think at the end of the day, you need to be 
the only audience member you're really making this film for, are you going to enjoy the film? Because you're making the film for someone else. I feel like it kind of lacks a soul. And so that's where I'm at now. And I feel like I would definitely tell my younger self to, to take that advice and keep pushing forward. It's great advice. How about you, Ross? Man, I know it's cliche and and corny, but just fail, just fail, fail, fail. Just don't be afraid to like, just fall on your butt and just, you know, take it all in just because I think, as actors, you get so in your head about, am I doing this right? Am I, is the scene going to, you know what I mean? Am I, what's my objective? Da, 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 da. And that's all important. But until you can really sit there and be like, wow, this is the bottom of the bottom of this scene. And this is not how this is supposed to go. Then you can climb up that ladder and be like, okay, what are my next steps? What, what, what does my character need to achieve this and that? Um, so I would just say, fail, be vulnerable. Don't be afraid to look silly. Don't be afraid to look ridiculous. You know, um, like Ryan was saying, take acting classes because it's important not only to like you're in a room full of strangers that you don't know, obviously for the first class, and then you build this communicate the community and you're with them for several months, years, et cetera, but just fail and be vulnerable in front of these people that you don't know, because that's when you really grow, you know, because if you're just in a shell and you're just in your own little bubble and COVID has made it feel like that because everything has been self tapes. And luckily we're back into acting classes in person and stuff like that, but just being vulnerable and just really, um, not afraid to 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 make wrong choices because then those right choices will come up you know maybe the 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 best right choices or the not the best right choices but you know eventually you'll get to that point where and you're never gonna my whole mentality is there's always room to grow and i think that's really important in this career path that like there's always an opportunity to become better whether you're tackling a new character or a character that you've kind of you know played with before with a different role but just fail i think that's the most cliche thing and like lucas said just relax. You know, there's no blueprint. Things will come when they come, you know, no matter what your age is. If you love it, you love it. You're going to stick to it and it'll come. It's great advice. And and I don't think it's cliche. I mean, you want to, you want to fail, you know, failure is good. You'll want to even, you want to get some no's in this business, you know, no, no, no. Every no brings you closer to a yes. Just keep getting no's. You fall, dust yourself off, get back up and go again. You know, it's really uh, getting outside your comfort zone. Yeah, like you said, being in class and and being vulnerable and, and you know, everything you want is outside your comfort zone. So be willing to get uncomfortable. The more you get uncomfortable, you get comfortable being uncomfortable. Like, you know, in class. Okay, I did that. I did that. You know, I mean, my right. class, I push everybody outside their comfort zone, you know, yeah. because I want the, here's the gym. You're working out. Yeah. And when you get to that set or you get to that environment where you have to, you're, you're in a producer's meeting and you have to be there. It's like no big deal. I did that shit in class on Monday, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's great advice. Stay in class, work your craft, you know, because of that, all that work is going to meet an opportunity and that's when you get lucky. Absolutely. And and that's when you get that part. Yeah. I'm taking a course right now and my uh, teacher always, says we want to live in a place of uncomfortability. Yeah. You know, we want to live in a place that we're not used to because then that's when magic happens. You know, when you're so used to just, I'm going to stick in my little box and play it safe. It's not going to work in your favor, you know? So I think but, in a place of uncomfortability and vulnerability is magic. Yeah. I mean, when I tell my actors all the time when, when they're, you know, they get the little adrenaline pumping through their veins and they, they're, they're nervous. And I go, no, what you, what you're feeling is excited 
because your instrument is telling you you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. This is the path for you. Path for you. You want to feel that way. There's people that pay a lot of money for that. They jump out of friggin' planes and climb mountains. Guess what? You get it on a stage, a safe stage. You're not gonna die. But you know, it's that it's it's embracing that you know that excitement and know that it's just playtime and staying out of here because. You know, the the mind is the dangerous place, you know, and it could tell you some noise about yourself or fear this or what are people going to think or whatever. And you want to be able to guard the gates of your mind, the monkey brain that's going to tell you you're not good you're enough or what are people that that's all noise. You know, you got to be able to just step into your power. This talent was given to you. It's a God given gift. It was given to you. And, you know, just shine your light and play. Absolutely. How about you, Ryan? If you could go back and give yourself some some advice, what would it be? Yeah, I, I would just tell myself, you know, don't don't let yourself get in the way of what makes you happy. Um, that that was kind of a recurring theme for me. And I think the the more you play it safe in life, I mean, life is too short in general to play it safe. You don't want to be looking back and have regret. So the sooner that I realized, you know, just get into an acting class, just go make movies with your friends. I mean, that really is the dream. I've never been happier. I mean, I've told people in my life, if I could just Monday through Sunday, just be in an acting class all day working with actors, you know, and unfortunately (laughs) the social construct of life, you can't, (laughs) that's not how you make a living and, you know, live life. But if, if that was the case, I mean, that's heaven to me. That's, you know, that's my church. So the sooner that I realized that, or as soon as I realized that I've never been happier. So I would just go back and tell myself, don't be afraid. Just go do it. You know, just get get out of the way of yourself, you know, and it'll, it'll pay dividends for sure. Love it. So what's next? So we have, we have the, the death of a Frenchman coming out, but is there something else in, in the mix? Are you guys, you know, writing something else? So we, we definitely are looking forward to a bigger and better future in terms of all of our own careers. And so for us, I think that means a feature film. I think at this stage of my career, I feel more than, than ready and capable to tackle something like an indie feature film. I mean, primarily with Frenchman and Valley, we did those back to back. It's essentially a feature film right there. I mean, there's an hour between those two films. And so I feel like I we definitely are going to be promoting our next project, Tragic Death of a Frenchman, which we think is great and people will love. And we are hoping that we can move on from the short film and and jump into something bigger. And and, you know, if it takes us another year or two years, that's fine. We're still going to be here, you know, treading the water and and pushing through because it's what we love doing. And and, and that's really that. So right now there we we're in, you know, talks to push forward to a feature film, but we're going to just be promoting Frenchmen and Valley for now and, and just silently work on in the background. But when we have something, we'll definitely let everyone know. And, and I think it'll be very exciting. That's awesome. If, if a listener out there wants to see your films, where can they see them? You can see our films on my YouTube channel. It's Luca Pizzoleo, L-U-C-A-P-I-Z-Z-O-L-E-O. And you can even go on our Instagram. We have tons of fun, you know, BTS and and cool little clips and whatnot on our Instagram and even our TikTok, which would be under the same name. Very cool. How about you, Roz? Where can people find you? Uh, all my socials are just at Roz Fritz, R-A-Z-F-R-I-T-Z. Yeah, I'm uh, just starting out my journey on social media. I'm not a big social media guy, but I know it's a big part of the, the industry. 
And so I think it's just as important as your craft is to staying up with, you know, your followers and, and keeping them up to date with what you're working on. But yeah, at Ross Fritz. Cool. Ryan? Same for me. Uh, at Ryan Emilio Molina, both Instagram, TikTok. Um, that's where you're going to find all of our marketing materials for upcoming projects and um, BTS, all that stuff. So yeah, at Ryan Emilio Molina. Love it. So I, I, I have you here and I'm predicting huge, huge things for you guys. You know, just keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep creating. You know, you're, you're all very talented and I have no doubt in my mind that there's going to be big, big stuff coming your way. So I look forward to seeing what's coming. I, you know, say, send me, send me the link out to the Frenchman. I don't want to wait till it comes out. <laughs> of course. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I will. I'd, I'd love to see that. And guys, you know, I don't know where you're located. Where, where are you? Are you guys here in LA? Mainly yeah. based out of LA. Yes. But yeah. you know, we jump around a little bit, but we're mainly based out of okay, LA. Well, my studio's in Manhattan beach. You guys ever get out to Manhattan beach? We will now. Yeah, you guys got to come out. Come to the studio. Come check out a class. Come hang out. Come talk to the actors, you know. Sure, uh, you, you guys want to do a table read or whatever? You know, I got a space here. You guys want to, I mean, it's a full functioning studio. You know, I got cameras and sets. I could build sets in here and everything. So, you know, Mikasa Sukasa, you know. We appreciate that. And, and this has been a, a lovely conversation. You've been fantastic. So we'll we'll definitely keep those things in mind. But we we just want to thank you for your time and, and even inviting us on today. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for all of you. I know it was last minute you all showed up. So I really appreciate it. And uh, and congratulations. Thank you so much, Billy. We really appreciate it. Thank and, you, Billy. And I'll see yeah, you guys in you Hollywood. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank sir. You. And all we'll right, see you it. out in Manhattan Beach, baby. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Take, care. Take care. Nice meeting you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Please rate, review, share this with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't. Please take whatever you get from here, the golden nuggets, and apply them to your career. Go after your dreams with passion. Don't let anybody tell you it can't be done. I believe in you. Follow your dreams. I'll see you in Hollywood.